so good to be able to worship together, isn't it? Lift our voices and praise God for who He is. You know, that praise ought to direct us to the kind of attitude that we ought to have at all times. And that is, um, and I realize life can be difficult at times, but we ought to, we ought to live in, in an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude. As followers of Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. I hope you understand that and agree with that. And even if you don't agree with it, we have so much to be thankful for. We started last week a little series within a series as we came back to Colossians. I'm calling it Be Thankful. Because in the three verses we were looking at, we started one last week, one this week, one next week, Lord willing. I see this repeating theme of thankfulness. Colossians 3, I see you going in your scriptures. That's good. Take your Bible and turn to Colossians 3 with me, would you please? I'm going to be there in just a moment. We see this repeating theme of thankfulness. I'm going to read those verses to you once again in just a moment. But I want you to think about, just think with me for a moment. Why be thankful? You don't have to answer. But why be thankful? And if you'll humor me for, for a little bit, let me tell you why, okay? Let me just tell you. I know you know why, but let me just tell you why again. For one, the Scriptures tell us, and Scriptures give us a great example of the kind of attitude that we ought to have in thankfulness and thanksgiving. Uh, Psalm 106, verses 1 and 2, uh, gives us a good picture of this, uh, how we ought to thank the Lord at all times. Praise the Lord, it says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all His praise? I, when I read that passage, I remember, I think it was Spurgeon who on that verse said, uh, we may not be able to remember or, or declare all the Lord's mighty deeds, but we had better at least declare some of them, right? Because the Scripture says, Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord? Who can declare all His praise? And we may not be able to declare it all, but we had better declare some of it, right? And we have so much to be thankful for. Why be thankful? Well, also because God's Word tells us to. All right? Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with glumness. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? Serve the Lord with gladness. Right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. You wouldn't think much of me today if I came before you and said, It's really good to be here today, isn't it? Did my best Eeyore, right? It's a beautiful day outside, but I hear it's going to get worse this week. Right? I'm so thankful for God's Word. I just wish that it did more for me between Sundays. Right? You wouldn't, you're laughing at me, but you know, if I came in and did that seriously, you wouldn't be laughing. Right? Because you want, you want to be told and remind, I hope you want to be encouraged to praise God and to thank God for His goodness. And to be reminded of His goodness and His grace and His mercy because we have so much to be thankful for. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're God's child, it ought to be one of your deepest longings to serve the Lord with gladness. To serve the Lord with thanksgiving in your heart. You know, uh, I have a problem with 
some of Christianity, and I mean the world of Christianity, you know, the the body of people who say they're Christians and go around like that, you know, going, it's a beautiful day, but I've seen the weather report for tomorrow. You know. Or, you know, I know God's Word is good, but I'm just having a hard time finding the, His promises very helpful to me. You know, we, kinda, we may not say those words, but there are some people in, in God's church who live that way. And that, that concerns me. Because we have so much to be thankful for. We've got no room. We've got no room for serving the Lord with glumness. Do we? We have every reason to serve the Lord with gladness. And I contend that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are God's child, it ought to be one of your passions to serve the Lord with gladness. And to serve Him with joy. And to go into each of your days with joy. And right now you're probably thinking, well, wait a minute. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know the situations that I'm in the midst of. And I can tell you that you're, you're probably right. I don't know all of your circumstances and all of your situations that you're having to face. But I can tell you someone who does. And it is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And His Word tells you to serve Him with gladness. And so if His Word tells you to serve Him with gladness, and He knows about every need and care and every desire of your heart, and every struggle and trial and turmoil that you face, and he says, in, in spite of all of that, serve the Lord with gladness and come into His presence with singing. I contend that it ought to be one of your strongest desires to want to serve the Lord and be glad and be joyful. Now, some some people in the world say, I'm I just want to be happy. You know? I just want to be happy. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we ought to pursue happiness, okay? What I'm suggesting is that we serve the Lord with the joy of the Lord, and that we seek out His joy from His Word, and look at, look at our own lives, and look at the, the testimony of Scripture, and look at how God has provided for us again and again and again, and given us every reason in the world to be a joyful people, and to serve Him with gladness. Why be thankful? I could go on and on and on about why. I could go on all day about why be thankful, but one of the biggest reasons the believer in Jesus Christ has for being thankful is that, and this is, for me, one of the biggest reasons why I ought to be thankful, and I'm reminded of this often, is that as sinners, and we all are, as sinners, we don't get what we deserve when we put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. When you come to Jesus Christ and you yield to Him, and you confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, your sins are washed away. And they are to never be remembered again by your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you have every reason, because of that reason alone, to serve your Lord with gladness. Speaking for myself, I am so grateful, and I am so thankful that God does not give me what I deserve. Do you want to be a thankful person? Do you want to serve the Lord with gladness? Do you want to come into His presence with singing? Do you want to be a grateful person? If so, then I would challenge you that you need to take to heart these verses that we're looking at here in Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verses 5, verse 15. 
proceeding through 16 and 17. Let's look at them together. Would you look at these verses with me again? And remember here the repeating theme of thankful. Thanks, giving thanks. Verse 15, Colossians 3. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want you to remember that Paul gave this instruction to the Colossian believers. But this is part of God's Word. God inspired Paul to write these things for his church, for God's church, of, of whom we're a part. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian believers, but this is for us today as well. Okay, This wasn't just for them. This is for God's church today. And in this passage, we're going to look at verse 16 again today. I want to look at verse 16. We looked at verse 15 last week. Verse 16 today, Lord willing, verse 17 next week. As I look at verse 16, I see three characteristics in verse 16 that will be true of every believer who practices what Paul teaches here and lives the thankful life. The believer who lives the thankful life is going to have some characteristics that I see here in verse 16. Let's look at verse 16 again. Let me emphasize this verse for you one more time. Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What I learn here about being thankful, and what I learn here is that being thankful and living the Christ-honoring thankful life is closely related to allowing the Word of Christ to dwell richly in us as individuals. That's what I see in verse 16. That being thankful and living the Christ-honoring thankful life is closely associated with, closely related to, allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us as individuals richly. Now, it is critical that if we are to be able be a people who are, are thanksgivers, and if we're going to be able to give thanks to God at all times in the midst of even difficult and trying circumstances, if we're going to be a people who continually give God our heartfelt worship and praise, not only in our praise time, like when we lift our songs and, and lift our voices in song, but throughout the week, we must be a people who are filled with the riches of God's Word. Now, you may not have noticed, but we had this repeating theme in our singing this morning about God's Word, right? Just to kind of help drive this point home. But that's what we're talking about here when you look at verse 16 again, and it says, let the Word of Christ, let the Word of Christ, we're talking about God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, right? Jesus Christ. And we have God's Word in written form. 
And so I'm talking about God's word this morning, and this passage is talking about God's word and how we can allow the God we can allow it or we can not allow it. We can allow it or we can put it at arm's length. Allow the word of God to dwell in us richly, the word of Christ. And we must be a people who are filled with the riches of God's word. That's what we're talking about here when we read the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. You know, I never get tired of talking about and reminding you that you need to be a people of the book. I'm not going to stop, all right? So if you're getting tired of hearing me remind you of, of, to be a person of the book, then just start reading it, all right? Just get into it already. And, and I think that if, if you make God's Word a part of your life, that, that, that after a period of time you'll find that it's not old. You want to hear more. You want to be reminded again to be in the Word. Because God's Word teaches you and instructs you and corrects you, admonishing you where need be. And you find that the Word of God is really what you need. So I'm not going to stop reminding you that you need to be a people who are in God's Word. How do we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, though? Is it just reading? Well, I want to challenge you with three thoughts this morning. Three statements. And here's the first. The Word of Christ dwells... They're all going to be preceded by this. The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who are... The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who are... And here's statement number one. Yielded to God's Word. Alright? To those who are yielded to God's Word. Now, I get that from the word let. And you go, yeah, that's just like a preacher. You get all that from one word. Three-letter word, Let. (laughs) <laughs> yielded you got if you like to mark in your Bible I suggest just go in your, in your margin and just put yield yield or just write a little, mark a little triangle there yield I get that from the word let in the beginning of verse 16 we're to read and apply God's word to our lives but that's not all we're to yield to it. We're to willingly come to God's Word yield with, a, with an attitude of yieldedness ready to do what it says. In my, my translation it says, let the Word, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That tells me that we can, we can get so that we can be obstinate and not let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. We can kind of say, that's fine, I like the Bible, I read it some, and I don't mind coming to church some, but... You know, this dwelling thing, you know, it's it it really challenges my thinking in this world, you know. What does it mean to be yielded to God's word? Well, yielding to God's word is going to require that you give the word of God all the room that it needs to change your thinking. Empty of self is what I think of when I think about being yielded to God's word. Empty of the things in the world that tell me otherwise. You know, to, to well, don't take all of God's word at face value. It can't be trusted, you know, literally word for word. Mm. See, those kinds of things force out of you, you know, the, the room that there is in your, in your heart and mind and life for God's word and, and fill you with the things that Satan wants you to believe that God's word isn't valuable and trustworthy for today. And so I say that yielding to God's word is going to require that you give the word of God all the room that it needs to change your thinking. We cannot take the liberty of applying God's Word to only some areas of our lives. Only some. 
and not others. We cannot take that liberty with God's Word. What God wants to do in you and me through His Word is to, to move in and take up residence, permanent residence, and just not, not have room for anything else. And you can't just have some of God and some of God's Word and some of the world. You can't. We must give God's Word all the room that it needs to change us from the inside out. And, it, and as it does change us from the inside out, it's going to change our thinking about our desires. It's going to change our thinking about our difficulties also. It's going to change our thinking about our immediate surroundings and our immediate circumstances. You see, nothing is going to bring clear thinking about the challenges and trials and difficulties that you face as a child of God than to have God's Word shaping your thinking. And that can only happen if you are yielded to what God's Word would accomplish in you. You know, one of the greatest challenges to our thinking about our present and future circumstances is, is this. It's unbelief. And when you read God's Word with little faith and little belief, you're going to weaken God's Word in your life. You're not going to be letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. The Word of Christ wants to change you. The Lord wants to change you and make you Christ-like in your thinking, in your attitudes, and in your outlook about the world and in your circumstances, your surroundings. And when you read God's Word without yielding to it, you're denying its power. You're denying, you're denying that, it's, that it's good for you and that it, that it could change your life and make you more Christ-like in every way. So I say one of the biggest obstacles to allowing the Word of Christ to dwell on us richly is our unbelief when we just kind of read it and go, ah, that's good. You know, I've read my verse for the day or I've read my chapter for the day. I can go about my life now. John Piper says, fight against unbelief in the promises of God. God says, everything today is working for your good, and I'm totally on your side. I was listening to a message of his recently, and it encourages me when a man of God like John Piper's written tons of books. I don't know how many the fellow's written. Um, and he challenges me every time I hear him speak when he says, I have to daily <laughs> fight against unbelief. That gives me encouragement in a way. I go, man, if you know, a man of God like that struggles to apply God's Word to his life day in and day out. And he has to get to the Word every day and find a phrase here or a word there to get bolstered in his faith. That gives me hope because I'm not alone. I hope that gives you hope because you're not alone either. We're not, we're not uncommon in this world. We need to fight against unbelief, don't we? We need to go to God's Word. How do you fight against unbelief? Well, I, first of all, you've got to read God's Word. All right, You've got to get it in. Get it into your heart and mind and soul. Learn to feed yourself God's Word and cling to the promises of God's Word. And to have the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly means that you treasure God's Word for the great value to your life and family that it is. You realize that God's Word is a treasure for your life and for your children's lives and your grandchildren's lives. You realize that it's a treasure for you. This should not be treated... Like it's just any old thing. Like it's just the next ball game on TV. Because it is a treasure. And it needs to be treated as such. And so you must read it. Treasure God's Word. And as you read it, 
Ask God. Pray. Ask Him to help you believe. Ask Him to help you have faith in His Word. Ask Him to help you to to find the things that He has for you that day to to apply to your life right then and there. And and that thing that you can take through your day, even just a couple of words, a small phrase from the Scriptures as you read through it, that God will impact your heart with that day and encourage you with. See, I think to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly means that you give it full control of your thinking, allowing it to make and shape your thinking. And and to do that, you've got to read it. And you've got to let it come into your heart and mind to change the way you think about the world in which you live, to change the, the way you think about the problems you face. To let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly means that you're giving the Holy Spirit full control also. You know, scriptures remind us, right, to not quench the Spirit. And this filling of the Word of Christ and allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly, that's a filling. And the filling of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to fully control us, those two go hand in hand. When you, when you yield to God's Word, you yield to the Holy Spirit. And when you yield to the Holy Spirit, you yield to the Word. Because the Holy Spirit wants to come in and take the Word that you're reading and make it work in you. And so the two go hand in hand. Ephesians 5.18 reminds us that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. And to be fully controlled by the Spirit means that you're going to be filled with the Word. And to be filled with the Word means you're going to be controlled by the Spirit. It's kind of a, a cycle there, isn't it? Maybe think about it like this. Do you know what it's like to be full after a wonderful meal? you know how good that feeling is to be full after? Not eating too much. I've done that before. You eat too much and you go, oh my, what did I do? Just let me sit down somewhere and rest. You know what it is to be satisfied, though, after a delicious meal? Job said that God's commandments were better to him than his food. Job 32.12, I have not departed from the commandments, the commandment of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my portion of food. God's Word ought to be more satisfying than your next meal. Your next delicious meal. All right? And you know, to, to enjoy dinner, you've, you've got to eat it, right? Because we could set a table before you of some wonderful food and some, some delicious things to eat. And you could sit there and fold your hands and look at it and sit there for a half an hour and then get up and leave. And that food hasn't done you any good, has it? To be filled with the fullness of that food, you've got to eat it. And you know that to take the Word and to make the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, you've got to take it in and you've got to eat it. You've got to feast on it. And you've got to let it absorb into your soul and your body and your life and let it do your life some good, you've got to take it in. And being here for the teaching of the Word of God is a very good start, but it's not the only place and it's not the last place. Being here for the teaching of the Word of God is a very good place to start. But this time in your week should not be the only time that you take in God's Word. That's why I... I would challenge you to be a self-feeder of God's Word. You need to be a person who can go to God's Word to find the answers because the answers are here for you and me if we'll look for them. Kent Hughes says it this way, How 
How can we allow the Word of God to dwell richly among us? We must begin by reading it. Duh, right? We've got to read it. I'm not making fun of him. I'm agreeing with him. He says, The Bible is not all that hard to understand, though there are admittedly some very difficult passages. Mark Twain put it in perspective when he said, Most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I have always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are the ones I do understand. Oh, me, right? And Kent Hughes says the Bible is understandable, and we need to read it. We need to both be comforted and troubled by it, as is appropriate to each of our lives. You know, the Bible ought to comfort you at times, and it ought to trouble you at times. Because we're all sinners, aren't we? And God's Word ought to be doing that work in our hearts of troubling us about our own spiritual condition. Be a self-feeder. Study God's Word. Sink your teeth into God's Word. Read it and study it and apply it to your life. Now, be careful here, though, because reading God's Word is, even though reading God's Word is a must, it's not a guarantee that you're going to have the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly. That's why I emphasize that you've got to yield to God's Word as you feed on it. If the Word of Christ is dwelling in you, filling you with it, it will change you, and that change make a real difference in your life. And that, as that change takes place, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and make that difference in you, filling, filling you with His Spirit, making you Christ-like in your thoughts and actions and words. I know of no better way to be certain that you are allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in you richly than to go to God's Word for daily nourishment. Daily nourishment. I cannot overemphasize the importance of being in God's Word daily. It doesn't have to be a long time of study, you know, where you get out the books and you spread around big commentaries and things like that. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying read it. Allow God to change your thinking with the power of His truths. And I would suggest as the psalmist reflects that you go to God's Word early in your day rather than late. I know everybody's different. But try to get the, God, the Word of God into your soul early in your day. The psalmist says, Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. There's also a byproduct of the rich dwelling of the Word of Christ in the believer. It's the overflow to other people. And that brings me to statement number two. The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who are teaching and correcting with God's Word. The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who are teaching and correcting with God's Word. Verse 16 again in Colossians 3, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We're talking about God's wisdom here. The Word of God being God's wisdom, being this in all wisdom. We're to teach and admonish or teach and correct You see, God's Word is of great value to God's people. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. See, believers are to teach and admonish one another, or teach and correct one another. And we're to do so with the wisdom of God's Word. 
not with the not with the wisdom of this world. That's uh, that kind of comes naturally. Some of us, you know, we have publications and we get television and we see the news and we see the world who says, oh, the latest study says this and that. And a lot of times the latest studies, whatever they are, just kind of tend to confirm scriptures for us. And you go, just read the Bible, dude. You know, read the Bible. I mean, save your money. Quit doing the studies. Just read the Bible. <laughs> you know, when the word of Christ dwells in us richly and dwells richly in a believer, there's going to be an overflow to others. And that overflow is going to be expressed in teaching others the truth. You know, and it just begins simply with your life. I was, somebody told me this week um, that someone remarked about their mom being faithful in church. And, um, and just being faithful in church, going to church faithfully, showing up every, every Sunday. And how that faithfulness in church encouraged them themselves to Christ's likeness because of this individual's faithfulness. In, in attending God's house and being with God's people. You know, your life in its most basics, in, in the most basics of teaching and admonishing, your life ought to do that. And I'm not talking about being holier than thou, walking around like I'm a spiritual giant, you know, watch me, I'm you know. But but when you obey God's word, your life is gonna stand out and be different. You're gonna be an oddball. I'm sorry, but you're gonna be an oddball in this world, okay? But I say be an oddball for Christ because God's Word is going to change you and make you different from the world that you live in and your life is going to teach and correct. It will encourage as well. How do we teach and admonish or how do we teach and correct one another in all wisdom? And that's the wisdom of God's Word. Well, in its most basic form, it begins with your life. I would also say to families, that to parents, to moms and dads, and to grandmas and grandpas, that in the family setting, there ought to be teaching and correcting going on from God's Word. We can't allow, we can't, we can't afford to, to bring up our young people in a world in which it's telling them all kinds of things that are, in, that are in opposition to God's Word without reminding them of the truths of the Scriptures and saying, wait a minute, what you said isn't right, and here's why, because God's Word says this, all right? And, and you ought to ask God to help you be repentant of that. I would challenge parents and grandparents that, that that's part of your responsibility as authority figures in the lives of your, your young children and grandchildren to help point them to the truths of Scriptures and to lovingly, gently, gently correct them, admonish them. But, but it ought to begin with teaching and showing them the way and showing them the truths of Scripture. So it ought to happen with your life, the way you live ought to do it, your speech in the family setting. It ought to go beyond that too. There's another way that we teach and correct, and it's in the fellowship of the church. We, we teach one another God's Word by obeying it ourselves and then gently correcting others when, when they fail to obey God's Word. And this is where I think the church is often weak because we don't like confrontation and we think about, we think about um, exhorting others or encouraging others or correcting others as confrontational and, oh boy, I don't want to get into that. But if you love one another as God loves you, what does God's Word do? I don't know about you, but it steps on my toes quite a bit and it admonishes me and corrects me. It makes me feel bad about my life sometimes so I go, wait a minute, I need to fix something here. And if we truly are going to love one another as a body of believers, as God's church, we need to look out for one another in this area. We need to teach with our lives, teach with our speech, teach with our teaching as we are right here and now in our Sunday school hour. But we ought to teach and encourage one another. And when you see someone who's 
going down the path of sin, you ought to be willing to come alongside of them, put your arm around them, lovingly say, I want to help bring you back to the truth here. You need to avoid this thing that you're getting into. And certainly we've got to make sure that we're paying attention to our own lives first. You know, the, the speck plank syndrome, right? Trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a plank hanging out of yours. Go to God's Word and make sure your life is in line with God's Word. But that doesn't mean you ignore the speck in your brother's eye. You lovingly and gently, gently correct and admonish with the wisdom of God's Word. And so when you see someone struggling in sin, really love is to come along them and say, what you're doing isn't right. I love you from the bottom of my heart. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to do this anymore. Because God's Word says this. Will you let me pray with you and help you and encourage you to do the right thing? Oh, I'm so thankful for people who came into my life at certain periods in my young adult life and got in my face lovingly, gently and said, Kevin, you're not doing what's Christ honoring. I love those people because they have loved me enough to tell me the truth, the hard truth, in a loving and gentle way. And we need to do that as a church. And I think that's what the Scriptures remind us here that we teach and admonish. We teach and correct. Now, the overflow of the rich dwelling of God's Word in us ought always result in directing others to the truth of God's Word. Always directing others to the truth of God's Word. And we're to teach and admonish with all wisdom. That's God's Word. It's just one more reminder that it's God's wisdom. It's not our own wisdom. It's not that we're all high and mighty and great and wise. But it's God's Word. It's God's wisdom that we teach and admonish with. It's one more important reason for being filled with the wisdom of God's Word, isn't it? Filled with the wisdom of Christ. And the outflow of what's filling us also comes out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Here's the third statement. The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who allow the Word of God to make them worship God. Not just worship anybody or anything. The Word of Christ dwells richly in the hearts of those who allow the Word of God to make them worship Him. Look at verse 16 again where it says, Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. Some of your translations say with grace. And I think the same idea here is thankfulness. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5.19 is much like our passage here. And Paul writes, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You see, when the Word of Christ dwells richly in us, we will have thankfulness in our hearts. And it won't stop there. It just begins there. It will overflow through the lips in the form of praise to God. And that's an important reminder that we find here. Paul says we are to bring our worship to God with thankfulness. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Not thankfulness to other people. Certainly be grateful to other people when they do kind things and good things and they care for you. Certainly you give them your thanks. But what? why do we worship God for His goodness, for His greatness, for His goodness and graciousness toward us? 
And so as we come together, when we sing and we lift our voices, we are to be worshiping God together. And throughout our week, we should allow the Holy Spirit to make us a joyful people who are willing to offer our praises to Him throughout the week and not waiting for this time of worship that we have on Sunday mornings. When the Word of Christ dwells in us richly, we will have thankfulness in our hearts that overflows through the lips in the form of praise to God. And that should also apply to the songs and hymns we sing as we think about, as we, as we think about worshiping God and worshiping Him alone and no thing else and no one else. We need to remember that our worship needs to be informed by God's Word. Our songs that we sing, the hymns and the choruses we sing, we're careful to, to present worship hymns and choruses to sing that are founded in the truth of God's Word and express true worship of God. So that's why that ought to apply to the songs and the hymns we sing. For our songs and our hymns to be fitting for worship offered to God, they, they've got to be informed by God's Word and bear the sound doctrine of Scripture. Otherwise, it's not worship to God. It's just making music. Praise and thanksgiving is directed to God. And that is worship. And the byproduct of our worship is that it also builds up and encourages other believers. You realize, and you may not realize it, but I want you to realize that your presence today has encouraged someone. Have you ever thought about that? Do you realize that when you stop and we lift our voices in song and you hear others worship? That's, I don't know about you, it encourages me to hear you worship. And I would hope that we would come as we come together as a body of believers that your neighbor's worship would encourage you to worship God. And, and we, as we worship God together, we encourage and we edify one another. We build one another up. But there's the opposite of that picture, which is also true. Thankfulness must season all of our speech. And Paul says in Ephesians 5.4, and kind of drives the point home with this verse in Ephesians 5.4, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And that, that filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, that's kind of a... That's kind of a brash statement to think about our, the, the, the far extreme of our speech and how the, far extreme, the negative extremes of our speech can be distracting from God and, and be failing to give God's thanks. I want you to think with me about what comes out of the mouth of a thankless person, a person who is not a thanksgiver. What, what does come out of their mouth? Because something's going to come out. And what's going to come out of their life? Well, that life of the thankless person is usually filled with ungratefulness, complaining, even dissatisfaction with their own life, their own job, their own spouse, their own children, their own place of residence, their own automobile, and the things that God has blessed them with. Ungratefulness and unthankfulness and critical nature about other people. The thankless person is tough to be around in just a few words, right? But that's not the worst of it. The thankless person destroys themselves. But it doesn't stop there. The thankless person rubs off on the person that they're near, right? And they contribute to the destroying the other person. You know, when you have to spend time around a person who doesn't give thanks and who is thankless and critical and, and dissatisfied and unhappy, 
What does that do for you? Think about the, the, the lack of joy there. It does nothing to build others up in Christ to be a thankless person. The life of a thankless person harms the person who is thankless and harms those with whom he or she shares their thankless speech. That's why Paul goes to great lengths to say, don't let rubbish come out of your mouth. Those things are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Be thankful because the thankless heart, and this is very important for us to remember, be thankful and yield yourself to God and have great joy in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because the thankless heart has no room for the rich dwelling of God's Word. And you need the rich rich dwelling of God's Word. The psalmist reminds us of what comes from the heart of the one who is filled with the rich dwelling of the Word of God. And with these verses, I want you to be encouraged and challenged because these are the kinds of things that ought to be coming from our lives. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Psalm 28, verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to Him. Is that your life? As I think about my own life, I have to say, I have to admit that I often fall so short of this. And so this morning, I come together with you as one of your peers in saying, I am not unlike many others who struggle with a lack of thanks. And I need this reminder, as we all do from God's Word, that we ought to be giving thanks to God and allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly helping us to be shaped by God's Word so that our thinking is shaped by God's Word. And when that happens, the outflow of our life will be thanksgiving and praise. And oh, how we can build one another up and encourage and teach one another and even correct when need be. And oh, how our worship will be Christ-honoring when we come to Him yielded, ready, willing to give Him thanks and praise. You know, for the Word of Christ to dwell in you richly, you must allow God's Word to saturate every area of your life. You must allow God's Word to saturate every area of your life. I know that sounds like a big task. And we're going to address that practical nature of doing that tonight. As we come back to study, I want to talk about just a few practical things you can do to allow the Word of Christ to dwell richly in you and saturate every area of your life. It's just things from God's Word again. Oh, how we need to feed on the Word and allow it to shape our thinking and make us a thankful people. Let's pray together this morning. Father in Heaven, we come before You this morning thanking You for Your Word. Thanking You for Your goodness in giving us Your Word. How blessed we are. Even as English-speaking people, we have so many translations to help us understand and apply Your Word to our lives 
And yet, Lord, I have to admit, I don't read it and, and soak it in it as much as I should. So, Lord, help me and help Your people to be satisfied with Your Word, this rich feast that You've given us in Your Word. And Lord, help us to come to You in yieldedness, letting the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Oh Lord, help us. We need Your help. And help us, Lord, to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And may we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, with great thankfulness in our hearts, giving it all to You, Lord. Teach us Your ways. Teach us in Your Word. Use Your Holy Spirit to open our spiritual eyes to follow You faithfully. To found our lives on the foundation of Your Word and to change our thinking in this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.